and get yourself some writing implements, a, a blank piece of paper or a pencil or paper, or something that's going to be easy for you because we are going to have a family exercise in a few minutes that will involve the kids and everybody here in the congregation. Um, we are going to be talking about Ezekiel and having an imaginative exercise to go with that. So by the time of Ezekiel, the northern kingdom, Israel, is long gone. Long gone. And now is the bitter end for the kingdom of Judah. Their last ser series of kings go in rapid-fire succession. And as you can see here from the graphic that Pastor David uh, got for us from visual theology, it's like the kings go one after the other very quickly. And we can see here that Zephaniah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel are the final prophets to kingdom of Judah, and Ezekiel actually spans. He's in the kingdom, and then he's carried off into captivity. He's also prophesying to Judah and the exiles while they are in captivity. So in some respects, the book of Ezekiel, it's similar in rhythm to the other books that we see, the other prophets that we've been going through, and the other prophets that we're going to see here in the weeks ahead. So there's a warning, and there's judgment, and there's restoration, and there's promise for the future. Although when I say warning, one thing is different about these warnings. It's one thing to get a warning, like if you get pulled over in for a speeding ticket and you get a warning, that's nice. It's a good feeling, right? Because you still have, you don't, you're not being penalized and you know you have a chance to make things right. But there's a warning, like the police officer gives you the ticket and he warns you that you're going to be going to court now. That's a different kind of warning, right? So this is the warning that Ezekiel is giving to the southern kingdom of Judah. The warning is not, hey, repent, and you may avoid these, this fate. His warning is, be prepared for some pretty rough times ahead. So a detailed description of Ezekiel is shown in the resources that we provide for the series. But today, rather than go through the details of what Ezekiel said when, and this and that and the other, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to take a step back, and we're going to absorb Ezekiel from a different angle. So with that... I just want to and point out that Ezekiel, he describes visions. If you read through Ezekiel recently, you'll see he describes visions that defy our understanding. These visions, they seem to transcend just mere names and dates and geography. These are visions that overwhelm us, and they have no detailed explanation. No detailed explanation. And so I pause, my, I pause, it's okay to pause and think, is it okay? Is it okay that when I read the scripture sometime that it just kind of, it overwhelms my mind? And I realize this is way beyond my ability to understand. Is it okay that you don't necessarily understand everything about the Bible in one shot? Is the Bible allowed to be mysterious? It triggers our imagination. It gives us a glimpse of the alienness of God, the alienness of God. I use that word very deliberately. God, and, and when we sit and think about him, we meditate on what the scripture reveals to him, there's certain aspects of it that are very comforting to us, his provision, his fatherliness, his, his provision of salvation to us. These things are very comforting, and we need them, and we want them, but there's, we get glimpses. We get glimpses of God, and he is this unimaginable being. He is something that's entirely, even though we're created in his image, he's something entirely different than us. In fact, here are some of the words that come to my mind when I, when I, get the, when I read these passages and I have this reaction. 
holy, infinite, mysterious, awe-inspiring, alien, in fact, even intimidating. So and to illustrate this point, we're going to do a group exercise. It'll involve reading scripture from several of the major prophets. This exercise is going to involve some drawing. So what are we going to draw? Drawing what, you ask? We are going to draw images that we see in the major prophets of the angels. So we're going to have a little fun today, and we're going to use our imagination. By now, you should all have papers and pencils in front of you, something to draw with and something to write on. But before we start, we're going to read some passages about angels. Before we read those passages, I want you, I want you to tell me some things about angels. We're going to answer some questions. So first of all, who can tell me, who, who among the kids can tell me what an angel is? Anyone, anyone, want to make a, anyone want to make a guess or a statement or what they think they know? What's an angel? Who can help them out? Yeah, angels are good. Yeah, we, they, they are good. How does God use angels, guys? They're messengers. Right, good. All right. Guys, don't everyone talk at once now. Okay, so now that we've answered some of these questions, we're going to draw. In congregation, I want you to draw as well. You should have note sheets. And on your note sheet, you've got, on the bottom of this note sheet, the fir- there's going to be a series of drawings. And the, the first drawing is going to go here on the bottom of the first page. And before you flip over and take a peek, no spoilers, at what the other, what the other pictures are going to be, I want everybody, all the kids... And everyone in the congregation, I want you to draw an angel. Just whatever comes to your mind. Whatever you think of when you think of what scripture and what God and what your, your normal interpretation understanding of an angel. Very good. I see some good angels coming up here on these drawings. Good job, everybody. Yeah, very good. Look at that. We got a nice angel here. All right. Thank you, Livy. Nice and big, too. Everyone can see. Everyone see that angel that, that Livy drew? Now we're going to get some help from Mr. Bruce. He's going to read Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 3. He's going to read it a couple of times, nice and slow. So here's what I want you to do, kids. Mr. Bruce is going to read. He's going to read a description of an angel in the Bible. Nice and slow and nice and loud. I want you guys to try to draw what Mr. Bruce is describing to us. Same thing for us, congregation. We're all going to draw the creature that Bruce describes. All right, go ahead. All right. It was in the year King Isaiah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple but we're not gonna draw the Lord, but attending him were mighty seraphim. So seraphim is a special kind of angel, so we wanna draw the seraphim. So listen carefully now as I read the description. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. 
two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. So let's, let's read about the seraphim again. Each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And it said the entire building was filled with smoke. So again, the seraphim had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. All right. Thank you, Bruce. Kids, how many wings do seraphim have? Six wings. Wow. That's pretty that's pretty unusual. What did they do with the what did they do with two of the wings? They covered their what? They covered their face. Right. And what did they do with the other wings? They covered their feet. Very good. And then the last two wings. The last two wings they flew. Wow, six wings for an angel. Look at that. Look at that. Livy, she did that. She she showed the wings covering the seraphim's face, and she showed the wings covering the seraphim's feet. Good job. That's excellent. Thank you so much for doing that. The mighty seraphim. This is in Isaiah. All right, get ready for this one. There's places on the on your second page. There are spots for you to draw in here. So the second one we're going to cover, get your fingers limbered up for this one. This is from the book of Ezekiel, which is what we're covering this week. And Kier is going to read Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 4 through 21. It's a long passage, and he's going to, take, he's going to pause and let everybody see and listen and hear. Use your imagination Use your imagination as you try to picture this. And uh, Libby, you ready? All right, go for it, Kier. All right. As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, driving before it a huge cloud that clashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except that each had four faces and four wings. So they looked human, but had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, and their feet had hooves like those of a calf and shone like burnished bronze. So the legs had hooves like a calf. And under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. So each of the four beings had four faces and four wings. <coughs> the wings of each living being touched the wings 
of the beings beside it. Each one moves straight forward in any direction without turning around. Okay, so that's a lot to draw. That's a lot to draw. <laughs> okay, we'll pause right there. Yeah. So. Four living beings. How many faces did they have, kids? Four. Oh my gosh. How many wings did they have? Four wings. And what was on the bottom of their feet? Hooves. That's pretty unusual. And if you want, they were coming in a huge cloud. They were coming out of a huge cloud, like a thunderstorm. Have you guys seen the thunderstorms this past week? Things that kind of black clouds and thunder and lightning that go across the sky the sky what if some huge four-faced creature came out of there that'd be pretty alarming good job Livy she's keeping up all right we'll let her we'll let her we'll, we'll let her catch up on that before we go to the next section cool all right, all right. let's read the next section here okay so each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. So we have a face of a human, face of a lion, face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. So what eagles have? Triangular shape. I guess they have a I beak. Guess. Eagles have a, a beak, beak, right? Yeah, eagles have a beak. Okay, doesn't have to be doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. We're just trying to capture what we can. And each each had two pairs of outstretched wings. One pair stretched out to touch the wings of the living beings on either side of it. And the other pair covered its body. They went in whatever direction the spirit chose and they move straight forward in any direction without turning around. The living beings looked like bright coals of fire or bright, brilliant torches, and lightning seemed to flash back and forth among them, and the living beings darted to and fro like flashes of lightning. Take your time. So these creatures, they have different kinds of faces. And it says there's something around them that's burning. What was it that's, what was it that's around them that's burning? Is it fire, like coals. And what else was flashing around them? Lightning, lightning was flashing around them. Who can draw a lightning next to their angel? There you go. That's a good eagle living. I like that. You want to add a lightning to that? Nice big lightning stroke. You got it. Okay. Okay, you thought it was getting strange. Now, <laughs> let's see what else. Let's All see right. what else God showed Ezekiel. As I looked at these beings, I saw four wheels touching the ground beside them one wheel belonging to each. So I'll pause there and let's yeah. capture that. So four wheels? Oh my goodness. Okay, so let's draw some wheels. Four wheels on the ground. 
next to the angels, big wheels. Four wheels. Okay, what else we got there, Kier? The wheels sparkled as if made of burl. All four wheels looked alike and were the same, were made the same. Each wheel had a second wheel turning crosswise within it. That's very complicated. <laughs> we don't necessarily have to try so to capture all that. So there's a wheel spinning within a wheel. The beings could move in any of the four directions they faced without turning as they moved. The rims of the four wheels were tall and frightening, and they were covered with eyes. Whoa, 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 whoa. The yeah. wheels were covered with what? The four wheels were tall and frightening, and they were covered with eyes. What were those wheels covered with? Have you ever seen eyeballs on a wheel? So we got these huge spinning wheel. And then there's another one. Just picture it spinning. And then inside of it, there's another one spinning. That's a little bit weird. That's not something I typically think of when I think of angels. <laughs> and even more, the wheels are covered in what? Eyes. That is super freaky. <laughs> Go ahead, here. When the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. And when they flew upward, the wheels went up too. The spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. So wherever the spirit went, the wheels and the living beings also went. And when the beings moved, the wheels moved. When the beings stopped, the wheels stopped. When the beings flew upward, the wheels rose up, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. Wow. Wow. You know, I can't explain that. And I, I, I like have a prize zucchini here for anybody that drew this picture on their, for their first one that they um, put on the, first, on, the front, on the front page. This is one of those things. Thank you. Look at this. Look at this. This is amazing. You caught a lot of those details, Olivia. And there's still things in there that, we, that we, you could add if we went back and read the passage again, isn't it? This is amazing. Thank you for doing that. Okay, pull, let's pull that one off. Let's pull that one off. This is, what I was, this is what I was meaning. This is what triggers my imagination. This is something that I look at when I think about God. And, when, and one of the reasons I appreciate Ezekiel, this is what triggers my imagination about God, about how big he is, about how alien he is. This is amazing. Okay, let's keep going. You guys hanging in there? You need to stretch? You need to jump? You ready to draw another angel? Okay, let's draw another angel. Bruce, you're up again. We're going to read Daniel chapter 8, verses 15 through 18, nice and slow. Everyone, please draw the creature that Daniel describes. As I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision... Someone who looked like a man stood in front of me, and I heard a human voice calling out from the Ulai River, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision, of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. 
While he was speaking, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. But Gabriel roused me with a touch and helped me to my feet. Okay, so wait, wait, read that first part again. What does he look like? Is this another one of our weird creatures, Bruce? It just says someone who looked like a man stood in front of me. Someone that looked like a what? Man. A man. Okay, draw a man in your, in your box there, the top part. Whew, that's kind of easy, right? Yeah. It reminds me of a New Testament passage. It says sometimes we entertain angels unawares. God sends an angel that looks like a man. All right. We gave you an easy one now, this time, Livy, so your hand can rest. There you go. He's got some hair. Good. Draw a man. But even though it was a man, what was Daniel's response to him? What did Daniel do when, when, uh, when the angel came and talked to him? Yeah, he said it was a man. But what was Daniel's response to that man? Anyone remember? He fell down. He was afraid. Very good. Excellent. Good job, Livy. All right. We'll, put, we'll hang that one up. So while they're hanging this one up, a couple questions. So, so what was the name of this angel, kids? What's the name of this angel? We, we, re- we, read, the angel, we read the angel's name. Does anyone need a hint? Begins with a G. Go ahead, nice and loud. Gabriel. The name of this angel was Gabriel. And Gabriel looked like what when he appeared to Daniel? He looked like a man. Can anyone think of another place in the Bible where Gabriel appears? That's a pretty familiar name for us in the Bible, isn't it? Where else did Gabriel appear? Who knows? Congregation? Mary, that's right. So read Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 33. So what you're going to do now is we're going to read the story about Gabriel appearing to Mary. In the little box underneath, you're going to draw a picture of Gabriel talking to Mary. Okay? All right, go for it. All right. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. So, kids, what do you think, Libby, you can come over, actually, Libby, you can come over here because I want you to stand in front of these pictures for a minute. Libby, you're going to pretend to be Mary. So what do you think Gabriel looked like when he appeared to Mary? Did he look like this? Did he look like this with six wings and covering his face and feet? 
What did, what did Daniel say that Gabriel looked like? Can you pretend to be Mary just as you're listening to Gabriel talk? Just, just sit down maybe. You're pretending to be Mary listening to Gabriel talk to you. Who would you rather have him come talk to you just appear out of nowhere? God was very kind. Thank you, sweetie. You can go back over there. God was very kind to Mary not to totally freak her out. It was already freaky enough, the message that she was receiving from him. All right. Last but not least, Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. Last one, last drawing. We got this, everybody. You ready for one more angel? Your last space on your paper? Okay, everyone, draw this angel as Bruce reads to us. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. And in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a great shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. Okay, I'll read that again. I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud. So he's surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. All right, good. Surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. Good job. Kids, what was over his head? Rainbow. A rainbow. Can you, are you drawing your angel? Can you draw an angel with a rainbow over its head? Good job. I see some good rainbows coming up down there. Got some good rainbows up here on the stage as well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, Bruce, what else, what else, is, what else is interesting about this angel? Hey, his face shone like the sun. His face. His face was, was his face dark or shiny? Kids, was his face shiny? That's right, he had a very shiny face. It shone like the sun. Good job, Living. All right. What about his feet again, Bruce? His feet were like pillars of fire. Wow. We got some feet. And his feet are on fire. His feet were like pillars of fire. Pillars of fire. And his right foot was on the sea and his left foot on the land. So his right foot is on the sea and his left foot is on the land. If he has one foot on the sea and one foot on the land, how big do you think he was? He's big, big, big. My God. That's a huge angel who's been to the beach already this year. Who's had a chance to go to the beach? Who's going to the beach soon? You're going in August. What if you saw someone that could put one foot comfortably on the beach and one foot way out in the ocean? Then I would run too. 
look at that. Thank you. And in his right hand, in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. So this image is not as alien or weird as the, as the image we read from Ezekiel. But the size of this angel, his majesty, his power, the glory shining off of his face, the rainbow over his head, these are all things that we probably don't typically think of when we think of angels. And it maybe adds a little perspective when we think it describes the angels who came and spoke to the shepherds were said they were so afraid. They were afraid. Who knows what they saw? Because they maybe, maybe they didn't see Gabriel. Maybe they saw something like this. Maybe they saw something like this. They were afraid. All right. Did everyone finish drawing their pictures? Kids, if you had to pick one of these angels to meet yourself, let's have a show of hands. Who would like to meet? Who would like to meet? Who would like to meet this angel? You'd like to meet him? That's awesome. I think that would be a fun angel to meet. You want to meet that angel too? How about this big angel here? The one that can be, have his foot on the land and his foot on the sea. You want to meet that angel too? I thought you said you were going to run. Okay. No, I appreciate your bravery, sweetie. Excellent. 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 So what I'd like to encourage you to do. Okay, you guys are done now. Thank you. And let's have a round of applause for Livy, our artist. Thank you, Livy. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much. You can go ahead and join your family. So this, the point of this exercise is to take something that's written in a piece of paper, something that our eyes can glance over, something we can think of. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. It's too long. It's too big. It's too weird. Slow down. Slow down. Maybe those of you at home who weren't, didn't have a chance to be here today, take these notes take these exercises have a quiet time yourself draw these pictures and let your imagination work so i'm just wondering if this exercise does anything to your picture of angels more importantly does this exercise do anything to your image of god and who he is and how big he is how mysterious he is and even how alien he is can you understand these beings? You know, we, we, write, we write this down because this is a pop culture version of an angel. Pretty typical. And God was very merciful to allow Daniel and Mary to see Gabriel, who looks like a man. But can we understand these other creatures? Do we know what's going on here? We don't. We don't. And let's, cons let's consider these questions again. We ask a softball question like, is an angel good? But upon reflection, does the concept of good even begin to capture the essence and purpose of this mighty angel who stands up in the clouds, his head in the clouds? Does it begin the concept of good begin to capture the concept of wheels spinning within wheels with eyes all over them? If you're honest, if I'm honest, when you think about these things, when you meditate on this scripture, you are actually less able to answer these questions that we have on this slide than before. And you know what? That's okay. So I'll ask our question again. 
from the beginning. Is the Bible allowed to be mysterious? Do you have to understand everything? Can you understand everything? Trick question. No, you cannot. So what is the, so then the point of meditation here, if you don't understand it, yet it's given for us in Scripture, what is your proper response? When you see something like this, and these are just images of created beings, his angels. What is your proper response? When you're faced with something that's mysterious, awe-inspiring, intimidating, alien, holy. I'd like you to think about that for a moment. What is your response? You know, when we review the structure of Ezekiel, or any of the other prophets for that matter, what do we see? We see sin. We see suffering. We see judgment. We see longing. And we see mystery. This is the natural and normal condition of humanity. And we absolutely ought to heed the warnings of the prophets. But it's also instructive for us to step back and consider what God sees when he sends his prophets, when he sends his angels, when he composes his messages to us. He sees holiness. He sees eternity. He sees glory. Where do we see, where else do we see hints of God's view? We often call attention to what we call the scarlet thread. But you know there's a golden thread in the Bible as well. The scarlet thread, of course, is when we see evidence of Jesus in the Old Testament. Prophecies of him, descriptions of him, types of him, precursors of him. That's the scarlet thread. The golden thread is when we see continuity in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament to eternity. And that's what these images remind me of this morning. The golden thread. Exodus chapter 40 Glory fills the tabernacle. The, the Israelites have just come out of Egypt. They have their tabernacle. When it's finished, God's glory fills that tabernacle. Second Chronicles 5. Hundreds of years later, the temple is completed. When the, when the temple is completed and the priests consecrate it, glory fills the temple. Ezekiel 43, 2 through 5. The prophecy of restored temple, the prophecy of restored glory. The same thing happens. The new temple that, that Ezekiel describes is filled with God's glory. Matthew 17, the transfiguration, Jesus goes up on a hill. He takes some of his closest followers with him, and they see, they see images of heaven. They see images of God. They hear God the Father saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And they see the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then last but not least, Revelation 21, we see the new Jerusalem, where it says God's glory fills the new Jerusalem. This thread, this golden thread throughout Scripture, this is about God's glory. And we get a glimpse of it here in place. And when we see images like these, and when we use our imagination and we meditate on these passages in Ezekiel and others like it, we're just going to read a couple of them here. I won't read all five of those passages. I'll read Ezekiel 43. 
After this, a man brought me back to the east gateway. The east gateway was the restored temple that Ezekiel had seen. Suddenly, the glory of God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters, and the whole landscape shone with his glory. This vision was just like the others I'd seen. First, by the Kabar River, and then when, it, when he came to destroy Jerusalem, I fell face down on the ground, and the glory of the Lord came to the temple through the east gateway. Then the Spirit took me and brought me into the inner courtyard. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The exile has just started. The exile has just started. Ezekiel's barely unpacked his bags, so to speak, in Babylon. And God has already given him a vision of a, of a restored and rebuilt temple. Ezekiel, in fact, spends eight chapters at the end of his book describing this rebuilt temple. And this is interesting, too, because if you, look, you compare this vision of this temple that he describes in these final eight chapters, it's a, it's a precise description. It's like there, it's, it, it's laid out in squares, and the exact number of columns are pointed out, and anterooms, and three floors, and so many cubits by this being, and so many distances um, by that dimension. And this gate, there are four gates symmetrically, north, east, south, and west. It's in stark contrast to the, I won't say chaos, but to the alienness, creativity of the images he saw at the beginning of his book. On the one hand, Ezekiel could be describing a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. But on the other hand, it seems like he's describing something more. Something more than that. And here's a final passage from the golden thread that we're going to read. This is from Revelation 21. 21, 21 through 23. The 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb in its lights. So my question for you is, do you see, do you see the continuity in these passages? And there's others, too, that talk about the glory of God. This, these, this golden thread is a is a vision, it's a glimpse of God's perspective on life. These images that we can barely comprehend, these are tastes of God's perspective on eternity, the universe, me, and you. I used the word imagination earlier in our message. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He wrote, reason, reason, our brain, is a natural organ of truth, but imagination is the organ of of meaning. These images that we've read about, these pictures that we've drawn, they should prove the limitations of our reason. Let God's perspective of eternity spark your imagination when you read his word. We'll close with this. Psalm 123, 1. I lift my eyes to you. I lift my eyes to you. O God, enthroned in heaven. Let's pray. Father, you are the mysterious one. You are the powerful one. You invite us to look into eternity. Sometimes, frequently, and you've even, we look without comprehension. And that's okay. Because I yield myself to your majesty. I yield myself to your power 
I yield myself to your glory. So grateful, so grateful that you invite me into fellowship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.